You're listening to the Sisterhood of Mummy Imperfect with me, Mummy Imperfect, aka Rina Deepthi Annabelle. This is a podcast where we explore different aspects of womanhood each and every week. It's a place where we celebrate the game changers and it's a place where you get your weekly dose of filter-free girl chat. In this episode, my guest and I are going to be talking healing, particularly healing using crystals, something that has recently risen in popularity. Nia Finley is a crystal and spiritual healing practitioner, a crystal jewellery creator and a mother of a little one that was born three months premature. So we're going to be unpacking all of that in this episode. Welcome to the sisterhood of Mummy and Perfect Nia. Um, is it, it's not Nia, is it? Am I saying it wrong? No, you're saying it right. It's Nia. Okay, Nia. Great. Yeah. <laughs> thank you for coming and thank you for reaching out. Um, so it's nice to talk to you. And you, thank you for having me. It's quite exciting to be it talking is- to Someone other than my dog and my child. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, mum life. Um, so, okay, um, you know, I think a lot of people have noticed that it seems like the popularity of things like yoga, mindfulness, alternative medicine over the recent years has fueled this kind of resurgence of interest in crystal healing. So, you know, you get crystal infused water bottles, perfumes, gemstone healing necklaces facials massages like it's a lot it's a lot going on and I'm I'm going to be Mm -hmm. asking you to explain the ins and outs of crystal healing in a moment but first I just want to come to know about your interest in healing so where did that come from? For me initially it was quite a um, I guess a selfish journey and it usually starts off working on yourself and I never was really like into crystals when I was younger I mean I knew about them Um, And my healing journey started through just therapy. So I had kind of issues when I was in my 20s and I didn't really kind of talk about it. So I would just have therapy even at university. I had it, but nobody knew about it. And then in my kind of late 20s, I really needed some help. So mental health was really at the lowest for me. Um, And then I got into therapy and then I started learning more about myself. And I think because I started doing that and really working through my issues, I was kind of opening myself up energetically, like without realizing um, to this kind of new way of of being me. And then it felt like that was the right time for crystals to come into my life. And I just came across them for some weird reason. I just had to know a little bit more. I signed up to a diploma. So it was like a two year diploma over four years, effectively. So two academic years, something that I just never thought I would do, but it just felt right. And so I started the diploma I started learning a lot more about crystals I'm quite analytical Um, and then it just kind of went from there and I felt like the therapy and crystals helped me kind of approach life in a more like in a kind of like supported way I felt very unsupported and lonely for a long time and the crystals kind of replaced that kind of weird to think about it but Mm. that is how it works and first of all the fact that you were going through something and went through therapy you know at a young age is quite uh, you know it's not that well it's more common now but definitely for me when I was growing up it wasn't common and even you know the fact that you acknowledge I need help like so you know you got the therapy so was it like you know did you have depression anxiety I never labeled it as anything I was always kind of I go for my mum so a single parent um in an Indian community wasn't the dumb thing yeah. But she would always just get up, no matter how she felt, she'd still get up every day and cook for her two kids. And, you know, we got to school, we were never left without anything. Um, and so for me, it was in my teens, it was kind of low self-esteem. I had issues with my kind of family, like my dad. 
um, that abandonment issues, all of that. And I was juggling that. And in university, I really didn't enjoy uni. Um, and so I just, at uni, I had some free sessions. And then when I started working, I worked at the NHS to begin with us um, at one point. And then um, I had some free sessions there. But I never kind of carried it on. I just did the free bits because it was free. Um, I had the conversations. Um, but I always still felt quite hollow. I felt like I could just let kind of go of all these emotions that I'm feeling. But again, it was never diagnosed as anything in particular. It was just, I just felt low. I had struggles. I needed to talk to somebody. I felt bored of talking to my friends and family. And I felt like a burden. So then I got help. And then I got some serious therapy in my late 20s. Um, and that was like, initially it was every three weeks I was seeing somebody. Um, but he was amazing because he, kind of incorporated hypnotherapy cbt counseling um and that really helped me unpick and just again like i said i learn about myself so why do i react in a certain way why am i so bothered about the fact that you know i have like dad issues and things like that so yeah i just i kind of continued on that journey but it was never like oh i have depression or i, I am depressed i never really said that out loud i'm just interested to know because the more and more i'm learning about you know therapy and why people have it and stuff I feel like um do you think it's to do with childhood you think that those things that we all go through in our childhood and we bury somewhere do those eventually resurface massively and they're meant to because the more I learn about crystals and spirituality now and even like with so I grew up Hindu it's funny because um it's quite sad as well because in Hinduism, it teaches you about the chakra. It's about the importance of seven-year cycles. So the first seven years, I know we say first five years of a child's life, actually it's seven years, are so crucial. Like they really kind of build those building blocks for you to then be who you are kind of later in life and how you handle life. Yeah. Um, so my first seven years were, you know, kind of broken with an Indian family, not living with my dad, living with my mum all of that trauma being brought up two different ways, my mum handling it the way she did, that all kind of just sat there with me and then low self-esteem kind of added to that. And then that just hit me hard in my kind of 20s when it all does resurface. And I still deal with it now. It's not like it goes away. Mm -hmm. I'm just more aware of it. Okay, so you obviously, you know, you went through a challenging time, like you said, in your teens and in your 20s. Um, and then, you know, uh, you told me like prior to this conversation that you, you had a baby three months premature. Now, three months premature is is quite premature, isn't it? Yeah, micropremia, as they call them. Is that what it is, micropremia? Yeah. Right. So he was, and there was no kind of, uh, uh, there was no like signs about that. I just, I had a very good pregnancy. It was during the pandemic as well. So I was just kind of getting on, keeping myself safe. And yeah, it just happened one evening. I just wasn't aware of it. Even when I was in labor, I thought I was having Braxton Hicks. Yeah. So I was quite chilled about it, to be honest. Um, but yeah, so he was severely premature. And okay, so what what did that mean? Like, just take me through like what happened. You know, obviously we know what happens when you have a baby. You know, they put them in the little car, oh, la-di-da, whatever. What, what mm -hmm. is, was it like with you? For me, it was... Um, I was literally thrown into this world that I didn't even know, like I didn't even know it existed. And the problem is when we, when you are pregnant, what what doesn't happen is those kind of conversations around you may you could have a premature baby or even 
full term babies need to go into NICU if they have an issue. So the world of NICU didn't exist to me at that point. Right. Um, and so I'm going into labor. And because, again, I'm quite aware, like in, in, I was in tune with my body, something didn't feel right. I then called um, the hospital and said, just come in for like a you know, regular checkup. Um, and it was like in the evening, it was a Sunday evening, and my husband came, but he had to stay in the car because of COVID restrictions. Right. So I'm in the hospital getting all the tests done. Still, even though I'm having contractions, my mind didn't even click to think maybe I'm in labor. Not one point did I think, oh, maybe I could be in labor. I just, I don't know if I was oblivious to it, I was just kind of in denial. And then the, the doctor checked and she goes, I'm afraid you're, you know, you're in labor, you're likely to give birth now, but we're going to pump you with meds to try and kind of um prolong that for as long as we can um and I didn't want to be anywhere near the hospital I wanted to have a home birth I wanted like my crystals and candles so mm, yeah. I was just sitting there thinking why what is going on um and then called my husband I was like I need him here I'm, like restrictions I'm sorry but I need my husband here there's no way I can do this on my own and they're really great and then they um blue lighted me to Brighton again I've been to Brighton all my life I got married in Brighton did not know there was a hospital there, like a specialist, NICU hospital. Um, and yeah, and then I had him, I was quite lucky because I did hypnobirthing. So my birth was beautiful. You know, I really felt like I was in tune with my son and he was giving me little signs like, I'm okay, mummy. And then delivered him naturally. And then he was whisked away. Like I just didn't see him for like six hours. Um, and then NICU world is, so you have different, like nurseries they call them who's an incubator and when I spoke to the nurse who was like you know my lifesaver effectively she said to me oh you know it's likely he'll be here for three months and I was like oh I just thought a couple of months or like maybe a few weeks you just don't know you just ha have no idea um because he was due on the 22nd of September but he was, he was born on the 22nd of June so we actually didn't come out until the 24th of September of hospital. So we were there for 94 days. And they're the kind of things that you don't even like dream of happening. You just, I didn't hear about that. No one in my family, like my cousin had had a premature baby, but no one was in hospital for that long. So yeah, it was a minefield. Was it just those three months? Was it just like constant worrying? It was a mixture. Because every day, it, like you go in in the morning, and again, it was only it was restricted. So, COVID was adding like a very thick layer of pressure because you could only I could only see my son for five hours and only just myself. So, when you're there in the morning shift and um, the doctors are doing their rounds, you don't even have the support of your partner to ask those questions, or you might forget to say something. Um, and they're kind of spitting out all this jargon. You're like, oh, what does that mean? Like, what does it actually mean? And how can a premature baby have something called chronic lung disease? Like, how can chronic and disease be associated with a premature baby who just come early? Yeah. You know, so um, it was very worrying. But at the same time, I think because I had done a lot of work on myself with the healing and um, that kind of support network with me, my, my partner, my husband, I kept my bubble very small I only told like a handful of people so I had no one else's emotions to kind of worry about not in a selfish way but I was like I need to focus on this bubble we have to get him kind of safely home and um, so yeah it was every day was different every morning to afternoon was different because something could happen infection or 
you name it. And then you've got to worry about not him not getting COVID or bringing COVID into the hospital. So there was that as well. So the reason that he was kept for three months, is it because um, his organs had not fully developed? Is that why? So, um, with the, lev- the stage that he was, is predominantly his um, lungs. Right. So they were the ones that we had to kind of obviously wait for them to get to a point where he can breathe on his own. And then also it's feeding. So he has to be able to orally feed without any support unless they need like um, kind of, so he had an NG tube, but some other kids kind of go home with um, like JEG tubes and stuff like that. So there are other methods, but there were those kind of things and and to monitor him and he had to be kind of, um, I guess, fit and healthy enough to be able to take him home because it was too dangerous for him to go home any kind of sooner. And he, yeah. So he did come home on oxygen. So that was the other thing. We had him home on oxygen for a couple of months, or three months. So that was um, like he was safe enough to come home, but he had to be on oxygen. And that's a thing that some premature babies do come home with. Okay, so for three months and then he was able to come off of that. Yeah. Um, so, so, you know, like I was just, um, I was listening to something the other day, actually, about how with babies and just as humans, like touch is so important and the development of kids like were you able to touch him when he was in that um premature unit so for four the first four days I wasn't allowed to I could put my hands into the incubator um but I couldn't have him out so they, it's called kangaroo care and it's very difficult because a lot of hospitals and nurses encourage it because right. that helps bonding yeah. and actually helps with the baby kind of you know building their kind of blocks and getting kind of healthier but at the same time it takes a lot of energy out of them so it's that fine balance so you don't want to take them out and then kind of use up all their energy and then they can't then continue to survive it's it's very gray area and then also it depends on the nurse if they're kind of pro kangaroo care you're in there and I felt quite fortunate because my kind of team of angel nurses would always have my back and they would always make sure that okay I'm here I'm going to get him out and, you know, and I had five hours. So in that five hours, I had to get the updates, kangaroo care, express. Like there was so much to do in those five hours. So that pressure is like on. I'm like, please, can I have a good nurse today who just gets on with it, you know? So yeah, you have that. But it's so important. But um, it's not as easy as it kind of sounds. Yeah. So, so it was like touching and then working up to then getting him out towards the end of it. Is that what it was? Yeah, so you have him in the incubator, try and have him on you, so kangaroo care, um, as long as you can. Um, and then at, initially I couldn't even read books because you can take books in because of COVID. So I was just like telling him stories about whatever I could make up and the family. Yeah. And then when I could take books in, I was taking books in and reading to him. And then you go from like um, intensive care to like high dependency unit. And at that point, he then went from the cot to, uh, from the incubator to a cot. So he's kind of, you can then pick him up. But again, he's like connected to all the tubes, his feeding tube and stuff. So you can't like, you know, walk around with him, but you can just pick him up and do a little cuddle and things like that. So it's just very unnatural kind of way of being with your child for the first time. It was very unnatural, um, but you just make do and you kind of get on with it really. So what was that feeling like when you were able to actually take him home? Uh, it was equally like, petrifying because you don't have the support of the nurses um as well as like oh my god we really did it like 
we've got him home. And, uh, you know, I feel very fortunate. My husband was amazing. Like, he just pushed hard. Like, we've got everything lined up, you know, with the oxygen kind of. Um, we just didn't, um, we, like, relocated to Brighton. So we live in West Sussex. But the idea of traveling every day just was too much. And the anxiety for me, that I knew that would kind of just cripple me. Um, so we were renting in Brighton. Um, and also it was like, oh, we don't want to stay another week because, like, again, that's expense. We just want to come home. Yeah. So it felt like a massive, like, high five if we did it. Like, we did it as a team um, and he's coming home. And then I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to be by myself. Like, what am I going to do now? And how do I look after a baby with oxygen? Like, continuous care at night and you know um but we're supported by the community team like of nurses in in like where we live so I had someone come every week um to monitor him and if I needed any advice and that was quite good because I needed to like talk to somebody and I was worried about breastfeeding and you know I feel very emotional and I think everything just kind of like it, I just kind of relaxed but then all the emotions came with it yeah um so yeah so it was quite scary but also like you kind of look back and think, wow, did we really, did we really do that? Like, did we really get him home? Like, so yeah, it's a celebration. And how is he now? Oh my God. You wouldn't think, like you look at him and we're so blessed and so fortunate. He's still is with respiratory. So we still have um, kind of monitoring him with regards to his lungs. I mean, he's healthy. Developmentally, he's, you know, doing really, really well. I've been quite on top of things my thing is not like to overly kind of put him in a bubble but at the same time I just want to make sure my thing is give me all that information that I need to know so I can support him that's all I want I just want to be able to support him and if I have to go out and read something I'll do it I just don't want to be on the back foot yeah. so that but then at the same time I want to enjoy him and I want him to be like a happy-go-lucky child so um yeah he's like he loves running around he's a bit of a monster sometimes so he's just a kid yeah you know? not a premature baby he's a kid like yeah. that's it yeah, that's yeah good. thank god well thanks for sharing that because you know we don't often hear about motherhood and the and how it starts for people who you know just have a premature baby and suddenly it's just kind of it just doesn't go the way that you thought so um so you know it's it's good to to hear your um experience of it um so you you have mentioned crystals and how they helped you and, and the healing properties and things now some people might be like okay how is that how is this uh rock helping me what are the powers is it magical what is it so how can you in a nutshell explain exactly the properties of it what they do and how they help us I think it's the way I look at them is in some cases yeah they're just a piece of the earth and if you don't, if you're not in tune, if you're not kind of open to feeling and believing, it's just something pretty. Like, for example, I have an apophyllite here and it just looks nice. Um, but they are from the earth and they do, like, we have energy, they have energy. And I think depending on what they are, like whatever energetic kind of properties they have, you have this opportunity to really connect and feel something. It's just give it a try for me. It's like, give it a try. And if it helps you and if you feel something kind of positive or even if it doesn't feel right, at least you know it's kind of like working. And I think it's that open mind. Um, you know, we might try something or we might buy something um, that we don't necessarily believe in and it's like a wasted opportunity. 
so I feel like the rewards you get from kind of connecting with crystals are far greater than I know buying something that doesn't really mean much to you that makes sense yeah and and this whole thing of like you know it is something from the earth and I I feel like human beings like have had for years and years and years this problem where we think that we are separate from the earth and we can do what mm-hmm. we want to the earth and it oh yeah who cares it doesn't, it doesn't affect us and all this and now like it's really nice that people are like oh you know it's all about energies and you know the full moon can make you feel like this and um I think people are more in tune with it now mm-hmm. and also to give a shit about like the, what we're doing to the earth but yeah, massively. like I find it really weird where it's like no it's all about science it's like but then is this not science and are we not part of the mm-hmm. earth it's exactly and I think the thing is we sometimes it's quite funny when we say it's like a new thing it's like actually we're so behind times like if you think about I did my paper on um ancient Egypt so they adorn themselves in crystals like lapis and gold even um malachite and the way they kind of governed and they led and how they kind of what they built and civilization um was massive and I think that had a lot to do with the crystals and how they used earth like incorporated that into their daily lives that that level of respect I think so yeah crystal mining has been going on for thousands of years the problem now that we have it's that it becomes like a trend it's a fad that level of respect has kind of in some cases disappeared and it's like um one kind of crystal property doesn't kind of work for everybody so if you see something like a trend on tiktok like there was this um one trend a while ago on this um, crystal called moldavite so it's very transformational um everyone jumped on it moldavite prices went like insanely like high and it's a tiny bit of crystal that you need and it's quite powerful i don't use moldavite i don't own moldavite because i'm not ready for a massive transformational thing to happen in my life right now Mm -hmm. so I think it's like if you're ready for it go for it but actually if you're not then why are you kind of you know kind of jumping on this bandwagon we don't need to consume everything at the same time it's like in stages um so yeah and I think also like in for for me like growing up in India like uh, with Indian families like my uncles and that would wear the rings you know and I'd be like oh my god that's so weird and (laughs) But I appreciate it now, yeah. you know, it's like, it's to kind of, like, if based on when you were born, like your planetary, kind of like the alignment, and if there's anything that's not quite right, the semi-precious precious stones realign that for you, so it helps you through your life. But all your uncles aren't wearing the same types of rings, like, they all have their individual kind of curated set of semi-precious stones for them, for their energy, and I think that's the key, it's like, it's brilliant because there's more light coming into the earth um, and we're reconnecting based on how we used to live but don't get carried away don't forget it's very individual and how you connect with crystals is very individual and I think that's why I like to share the way I share because I don't want everyone to have the same crystal I want everyone to think about what they need and that's kind of the difference. So are there certain crystals which you use and have helped you a lot? Yeah 100% so I think for me because of all the energy that was built up, especially with um, the pandemic and having Ojin, um, I felt like I needed to do a lot of clearing. So that trauma like kind of attached to it. So I, I had, again, so I'm kind of, you know, I, I did CBT as soon as I came home. It's like, I need help. I need to do CBT. 
um, to help me process all of this. And then I did, um, I like scrapbooking. So I put all of his photos and stuff from the hospital mm -hmm. in that to help me. That was my healing. And then on top of that, I used a lot of clearing crystals like um, apophyllite, moonstone is like one of my favorites, and pearl. Because um, I feel like I just need to work through it, really clear that dense energy that I might have held. You know, something happened in the hospital that was really made me upset, for example. I don't want to hold on to that energy. So I've been incorporating these crystals to help me just clear through it. And it doesn't happen overnight. So it's my continuous kind of journey of using that. So I have a lot of apophyllite around me because, like, I just need to be cleansed effectively mm. um, to kind of start again, I think, you know, to remember who I was before pandemic, before the whole kind of traumatic experience um rose quartz is quite a popular one isn't it mm -hmm. so is that what is that supposed to do you know because I mean this is the thing as well like I, I'm glad I'm having this conversation with you because there's a lot out there that you can get rose quartz everywhere oh yes the crystal of love this that half the time I'm like is this a genuine thing and I'll, I'll ask you know I'll come on to that later what's genuine and what's not but what what is that supposed to do so rose quartz is one of the crystals that you can find all over the world. And for me, that's telling in itself because, um, so firstly, rose quartz is like a feminine nurturing energy. It's very feminine. It's like that motherly love. And I feel like it's so connected to earth because we say mother earth. So it's not this, um, what it's not is a crystal that you give to a friend who wants to find a partner. Because people think, oh, you know what? Oh, I really want to be in a relationship. Oh, here you go. Here's a bit of rose quartz. Because that's kind of the illusion, yeah. you know. Um, so what it does, I think rose quartz is a very, so it's a quartz family, which is one of the largest kind of crystal families. It's a very direct energy. It's a kind of crystal that you start off working with because it's about loving yourself. It's about being in tune with yourself. It's about um, connecting to that feminine energy, that motherly, like nurturing energy right and um, you know because we all start with our mothers effectively and that's what that's a love that we really know and sometimes we kind of lose that and we also then put that um, expectation of love on somebody else oh I can only be happy if someone else loves me the way I think that they should love me but actually we are responsible for our own happiness we're, we are love ourselves because we're spirit first and then the physical so yeah rose quartz is a a beautiful crystal but actually it's it's more about kind of looking inward connecting to yourself loving yourself every part of you like you know we are so easily kind of negative towards ourselves like oh I don't like my hair today or my skin or yeah it's that it's that telling you to love yourself again from who you are okay so that that is really lovely that is really lovely um so quartz obviously this quartz is a clear one so is that has that quite quite different properties because I know that's quite a popular one as well and widely available mm -hmm. isn't it yeah so they are so quartz um so clear quartz um and like rose quartz so the same crystal family it has like a slightly higher energy so each crystal kind of vibrates at a certain frequency and if you look at them you know kind of some are more opaque some are more transparent um, you've got your grounding crystals, which are a bit denser, deeper, kind of greens and reds. So quartz is obviously clear, very higher kind of vibrational energy. And it's kind of like this fast kind of, it, it can clear things, but it also can help with like focusing, 
concentration. But sometimes I think if you're kind of too erratic and if you're too scatty, like scatterbrain, something like a course is only going to kind of amplify that energy. So actually you probably need grounding. So you stay away from the courts and go for more grounding, denser, slow your energy down a little bit more, get back into kind of purposeful focus, if that makes sense. Yeah. So it's kind of, it's difficult, isn't it? Because there's so much to know about it and you don't know where to go. But it can be quite easy if you connect with somebody who has done a little bit more research and, you know, like an expert in the field. Um, there's no good or kind of bad connection with crystals it's just like a timing thing and mm. um, you might make yourself feel worse because you're amplifying an energy when actually what you need is to calm your energy down you know but then another time you need to amplify that energy so then actually the course is going to be right for you so is, is this what you do do you kind of work with people as to what they need and when they need it and how yes if I do so the crystals that I make I'm, I'm quite clear about what they do, what the energetic kind of properties are. Um, and I try to kind of think about what somebody's feeling and then help them align that feeling to that crystal. Um, and it's not it's not a physical kind of feeling. It's not like I feel like I want a partner, nothing like that. It's very kind of, it's personal, it has to be. And then with the crystal healing that I offer, it's very much like, I actually have a conversation, I sense the energy, and then I just let like the light guide me and then I pick various crystals um, and then based on what I know about those crystals, I'll then place them around the person or on them to just to kind of bring them back into balance. Because I'm not healing you. If you have an ailment, I'm not. You know, if somebody says mm. they're going to heal your ailment, don't go to them because, right. you know, healers are humans who are also kind of working through their own life lessons. You know, we just might be a little bit more ahead of somebody else mm -hmm. that's a difference you have the power to heal yourself not I don't have the power to heal you I have the power to kind of guide the light to where it needs to go to cleanse and get rid of all the negativity or the blockages etc so then you can then come into your kind of life's purpose effectively so that's okay. kind of like the difference so the the jewelry that you make uh, is really beautiful and um are we you know because you, you don't that you see a lot of these um a crystal hanging off of a chain and they're quite in fashion to wear you know I was thinking about getting one myself you yours are a little different because you make uh bracelets and anklets a lot now are people supposed to wear them um as a bracelet and anklet for a particular reason so for me um from doing my diploma I just sat back and I thought when I see people wearing for example, like a grounding crystal around their neck. And yeah, if you're wearing it for like kind of just glamour, fine. But if you really want to kind of work with a crystal and really kind of allow it to help you, you know, get to where you want to be, then that grounding crystal, the, the energy is too dense to go around. So if we think about the chakras and um, that we have, so energy points within our body, and they go from a low vibrational energy from your root chakra to a high vibrational energy to your crown chakra. So when you put something dense around your neck, it's kind of misaligned. So it's not doing what it should be doing. So that's why my grounding anklets are all grounding crystals. So they have that density. So they're closer to your energy point, like your root chakra. Um, so it's doing the work whilst you're just mm. going about your day. That crystal is actually doing work with you. 
and you're not necessarily realizing it and then if you start journaling or something you might start sensing oh something's happening or your awareness might change and then for example like the bracelets some of them are grounding but they're only like carnelian you can put on your like higher chakras so it's okay as a bracelet um, and then the rest of them are like amethyst or the higher vibrational energies that can go anywhere um, so I try to match the energy of the crystals with where you would position it around your body mm-hmm. and keep that alignment kind of similar. So work is being done and not and proactively as opposed to kind of, you know, contradictory. I find it so interesting. Honestly, <laughs> I, I, honestly, I do. I find it so interesting. Are we supposed to like, um, you know, get a crystal off of the rack, put it on, hope for the best, or are we supposed to go through a process of, cleansing it and and how do we even know it's a genuine thing because that's what I worry about sometimes you have these beautiful designs it's like is this real is it plastic is it something else I think um it's like a trust I trust your intuition and and are you doing it with intention so even for me like I don't I don't actually buy a load of crystals unless like I think they're pretty but I don't always want everything in my house I don't really feel like I need it um, and also it's work. Like I want to make sure I respect them and um, I'm cleansing them regularly. So that is important because again, everything holds energy. Even like forget about kind of new crystals or what I sell, like your wedding rings or your own jewelry that might have some semi-precious stone. That has energy because you know you're you're emitting energy, there's energy around you, you've touched it, etc. So you should cleanse it and you can cleanse it like putting it in the windowsill during a full moon. Um, with sound you can sing to it you know light a candle hover it over the candle and it's basically to kind of keep it like we have a shower every day to keep clean you want to keep your crystals and your kind of semi precious stones clean and um, so that dense energy just doesn't kind of sit with you when it doesn't need to um, and then it's just intuition and also feeling so if you look at a crystal some might stand out to you and that's usually something that you probably need at that point you can hold a crystal and just stop for a moment because we're like, you know, when you're like shopping like for me and Zara, I'm like this, pulling every single top out and not even stopping to look at it properly and, you know, do I really need this? And so when you're looking at a crystal, you don't want to just like pick and grab, just stop and enjoy that moment of stillness and like really thinking and feeling, which we don't always do. And sometimes you might feel a bit like, oh, this is weird, but... I feel good or I don't feel good and sometimes it's like okay maybe if I take this home I can just sit with it and see how I feel so that's kind of like a nice process to just make you stop that you know a few minutes of your life like of your day um, and come home with something that actually would help potentially help you feel better. Are there things that we need to think about in terms of what crystals go together maybe some uh, clash when we are when we're buying crystals? I think most of the time, if you're kind of going with your intuition, you just can't go wrong. So there's never like, again, I always feel like there's never like a bad crystal. Again, it's like a timing thing. But then there are complementary crystals. So I sell one that's like rose quartz and aventurine, um, which are kind of harmonious in energy. So rose quartz is the feminine, nurturing, loving energy. And then um, aventurine is the masculine, kind of balancing, very stilling energy. So together, they just kind of give off this beautiful harmony and so and they kind of relate to the heart so we think of the heart as pink and green and 
it's sometimes if you're if you're struggling with loving yourself but then also you need a bit of balance or you know you might love yourself like too much and not really care about somebody else you want to bring that balance in so having the rose quartz to kind of encourage that self-love but then also bring in the aventurine in to balance it and bring that stillness and um, they work so beautifully together and you know colors like if you know your primary colors and stuff I don't always know mine um but they work really well together looking at the crystals if you put them together sometimes like um like your purples and your yellows go really nicely together so it's kind of like an exciting thing if you want to really think about oh what can I have I don't know what I don't want to take one home I want to take a few home just put them together and look at them oh do they look really beautiful together yeah these do actually no these don't look so right and just go with that because actually you do know more than you think you do Mm. there is no guidebook I don't think really right you can have um so Neil we talked a lot about um crystals and healing and their properties and things like that and I just want to talk about grounding yourself now like what grounds you some more crystals <laughs> they, they really do help me when I feel a bit not so great I do get my grounding crystals out um and I think really if I, I think about it it's just looking around and like my son my dog my husband you know the things that I didn't ever think that I would actually achieve and have um that kind of really grounds me and then also just like like gratitude and the moon and looking at mother earth it just reminds me when I'm a little bit away in my head just reminds me that there is so much like you know there's so much more out there that's bigger than me and it really just brings me back to earth and just look at a tree and think wow the amount of work you've done to get that big and that beautiful like who am I to complain about something or not really pay attention to you you know so I feel like yeah just the awareness of like the world really helps ground me yeah that's that's really nice actually and it's something that everybody can do as well isn't it because some of us are like oh my god I'd really love to meditate but I don't know how to do it or you know and the thing is that there's so much pressure on meditating like I don't actually like sit there for an hour every day meditating I don't I can't I personally can't do it but what I do do is um you know five to ten minutes before I go to sleep go to bed I sit up in my bed now um or I'll take some time out in the day or um like actively just stop and that's my way of kind of connecting it doesn't have to be this kind of prescriptive way of being because you can't everyone's too different to have that but you do need to have a moment of stillness within you to be able to just like it's kind of conscious isn't it like do things consciously like be more connected to yourself and that grounds you, you've been looking at the tree for five minutes. That's something you wouldn't normally do. You'd be looking at your phone for five minutes. So, yeah. you know, so it's like yeah, picking yeah. those moments in your day. Um, okay, so if people want to know a little bit about more about you and about your um, he- crystal healing and also um, get their hands on your beautiful jewellery, can you just share the details of your website and social media, that kind of thing? Yeah, so I my website's www.neafinlay.com um, and my Instagram handle is Nia Finlay, at Nia Finlay. Um, I've just kept it quite simple. Mm-hmm. That's where you can find me and you know I offer um, consultations if you're not sure about which crystal kind of jewellery you want I offer consultations on that um, and then also you can book kind of Zoom healings with me as well as in person 
um, and just just contact me. I think it's like I like to chat. See if you didn't realise, but <laughs> it's nice to chat. And it's nice to talk about crystals and ask those silly questions that you think, oh my god. And if you can't necessarily Google them, just ask them like a human. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I like to learn and learn about other people as well. Thank you, and thank you so much for sharing your story um, about you know your healing and and your and um, giving birth to your son and all the crystals you know dropping those gems uh, pun intended (laughs) Um, but yeah thank you and thank you for listening as well I hope that you've enjoyed this episode and got a lot out of it please do share it with your friends Um, follow me on social media at sisterhood of mommy imperfect on instagram for exclusive clips and content and also there's a mommy imperfect facebook page as well until next week take care bye